afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Why Shamanism Now. This week, our topic is healing the hard stuff. So, we're definitely going to call in the helping spirits for that. So, I call in the energy of our ancestors, mine and yours, all of you who are listening here today, wherever you might be listening from. I call out to your ancestors to come and join us today to bring all that is good and true and beautiful in your ancestral lines and mine. To be with us here that we might benefit from the lineage of rich human experience that pours into our life to help us to be better able to do what we each have come here to do in our life, here in the time of the living. I call out to those ancestors to be with us because it is on their shoulders that we stand. We are the future they dreamed of, and may we live this in a way that is inspiring for generations to come. I call out to the energy of the earth to be with us here today, that oldest and greatest ancestor, to be with us today in a way that gives us a sense of home, of our feet planted on an earth that is abundant in springtime energies. We call out to the earth to bring us resources, to bring us blessing, to bring us the feeling of belonging and being connected, and and the feeling of being at home in our own skin with our people and those who share and join with us and help us to be a better version of the person that we have come here to be. We call out to the energy above to inspire us, to bring us the blessings and generosity and protection of this world in which we live. May the energies of the above and below come together within each one of us here today that we might find balance and come in to the exact right relationship with ourselves that we need to be in today to hear what we need to hear, to say what needs to be said, and to be with each other in a good way. I call out to the energy of the heart, that amazing place within each one of us, unique to humans, that place that allows us to bring the passions of our deeper energies forward, the passion for why we have come into this life, and the clarity that comes from the above, from our mind, from our dreams, from our visions, and to bring the passion to live it and the vision to know what to live together in the heart in such a way that we can understand is this good for all living things and that we can feel the call of all living things calling from our hearts our own unique gift. And from that place in the heart then we give our gift. So we call out to the spirit of the heart to be with us, the energy of the earth and the sky above and our ancestors that we might be together today in a good way. Because today we are talking about how to heal the hard stuff. There is a wonderful quality um, in shamanism, which is simply the understanding that human beings are here with this great capacity to create, to innovate. It is unique, our, our ability to make things. And with that, creativity comes, and all of you artists know this, but with that creati- creativity comes the capacity to make enormous messes, enormous unexpected, unexplainable messes. And the beauty of shamanism is that there is an understanding and expectation that in being creative, we will also make messes. And this is one of the main reasons the helping spirits come to us, to help us to clean up those messes, that we are better able to mobilize our resources towards that unique gift we come here to bring and the creativity necessary to make that happen. 
and that we can, in the simplest way, clean up the messes and as we grow older and wiser, to make less messes, or at least not to make the same mess over again. And so this is one of the great um, loves for me in shamanism is the idea that the spirit world loves us and expects us to make messes, that I am not in error in that. I am in disharmony and disarray when I do that, but that I'm not in error. I'm not judged or blamed. That The helping spirits come to me and say, aren't you a funny human? We're done laughing with you now. We're done laughing at you now. So here, let us help you clean up your messes. And so this, for me, is the great one of the great gifts of our helping spirits, is to clean up our messes. And one of the great messes that we make for ourselves is creating situations in our lives that create things that are enormously challenging for us to heal. Most of us get to hard places to heal step-by-step, choice-by-choice, decision-by-decision, and don't really realize that that's where we're going. And yet, one day we find ourselves needing to heal something that is we find is very, very challenging to heal. So this is what we're talking about today, which is how do we heal the hard stuff? And for those of you that don't have, have are here for the first day listening, welcome. I'm happy that you're here. There's a lot of background in the radio shows that we've already had. They're all available in download from the Voice America site, and they are available on iTunes. And um, the links to both of these are on my website, lastmasscenter.org. So if there are things I'm saying today that don't make any sense, go back and listen to the shows that we've already done. But in the meantime, I'm going to try to make sense for everybody today, whether you've been listening on the show or not. So let's clear up a few um, basic understandings before we forge ahead in how to heal the hard stuff. So first we need to understand some things from a shamanic perspective, which is um, we can... Well, this isn't just from a shamanic perspective, but anyway, we humans can find ourselves wounded or in a state of disease or illness in any aspect of our humanness. What I mean by that is we can find ourselves in disease or woundedness physically. We can find a state of disease or illness emotionally. We can find it in our mental belief system, psychological well-being, in our mind world is a very vast place, our mind. And we can also find ourselves wounded in the spirit, energetic soul aspect of who we are. And this is one of the things that people don't seem to realize, is that we are just as capable of receiving wounds in the invisible aspects of who we are, the emotional, mental, and spiritual, as we are physical. Of course, now that I've said that, I hope that makes sense to everybody, and everyone kind of says, well, of course, that was true. But people seem to forget that. So what we're really talking about, I'll use the word wound because it's one of the most strong words to help us understand we're in a state of um, disarray. Um, But really what we're talking about is disharmony or imbalance from a shamanic perspective, whether it's an illness or or a disease or or some kind of physical wound or or soul trauma wound or whatever, that we're talking about some, some aspect of who we are that has moved into disharmony or imbalance. And I didn't really believe this um, until several years into my training, after my initial initiation experience, I was um, coming to the end of a physical healing experience. And at that point, the Helping Spirit said, okay, now, by the way, you don't need to get sick anymore. And I said, what? And they said, you don't have any real need to get sick anymore. 
if you do get sick, it's simply telling you that you're out of balance. And if that's the case, we want you to come to us and ask how to get back into balance, not how to deal with the sickness. And I, I thought about that a lot since that happened, I don't know, 15 years ago. And the, imp- the interesting thing about it is I'd just gone through a long phase of having everything taught to me through physical illness because I'd asked them to stop teaching me everything through losing all my money. Uh, because it was stressing me out too much. And they said, well, then don't care about money. So I got to a place where I didn't care about money, but they still needed to do something to catch my attention, right? And so they started to do a lot of messages from spirit through physical illness. And then that, frankly, is kind of hard on you, hard on your body. And so what I came to understand through all of that is that the spirit world will communicate with you in the means by which they can most easily get your intention. And if you don't like that means, then you need to get unattached from that means of getting attention. But what we're going to talk about here today is, of course, part of this is about messages. So anyway, the point of that message was we don't actually need to get sick. That getting sick or ill or having a wound is a sign of something else. It's an outward sign that something else is happening. And so one of the things we're going to talk about today is we talk about healing the hard stuff, is how do we find where the source of the problem is? Because if we can go to the source of the problem, we can transform the problem easily. But again, we're just kind of clearing up some basic understanding here before we get into the meat of our topic. So I want to talk about messages here real fast. Let's clear this up before we get going any further. Yes, everything is a message. And it is well worth getting the message from whatever is going on in your life, including disease and disharmony, and illness, granted. And frankly, sometimes it isn't going to heal until you do get the message. And I know I have certainly had that experience many times where you got to get the message or you're just never going to get well. Granted, all of that is important. All of that is true on a certain level. And most of us prefer to receive our messages in a normal talking voice, not having people yelling at us. Right, So we can receive our messages in a whisper, in a gentle message, in a nice conversational tone, in a somewhat more strident language, and then something simply screaming at us. If we force the messages to come to us through illness, we have forced the message to move into screaming. Illness isn't a whisper. This, that woundedness, illness, these things are not whispers. This means we have not been listening on a, at a whole moment a whole lot of other levels at which the message was trying to come in and we have forced that message in through illness. So my point is, while illness, disease, disharmony, woundedness, yes, it brings us a message. Yes, there is value in finding the message in it. Granted, that is not the purpose. Right? There is no reason to push the message into illness. So I just want to make sure we get that straight. Part of the value of shamanic skills is it teaches us ways to get the message when it's a whisper or a nice conversational tone and, and allows us to pay attention to what's going on in a way or to be attentive to what is going on in our life, noticing what's coming in through life, what's coming in through the spirit realm, through the dreams. It allows us to notice and know what to do with things so that we don't push things into yelling because illness is very cost-effective. I mean, it's not very cost-effective in terms of getting a message because you get the message, it's one message, and then you got this whole illness you got to heal now. So it's not the greatest way. 
So what we're working on in shamanism in general is to learn to hear the whispers. Now, this is not a judgment for people who get sick. I've certainly been sick enough myself. But we do need to be able to discuss these things openly and real openly, and to realize we have options. We don't have to be getting sick. Okay. So a couple things we need to understand as we forge ahead here is that wounds require different modalities to heal because each aspect of who we are functions based on its own logic and balance. In other words, what I need to heal something out of balance in my mental realm is going to require a different modality than what would heal something out of balance in the physical world. Now, because the mental and the physical and the emotional and the spiritual all connect and affect each other, then yes, certain things may touch on more than one realm. Certain modalities may touch on more than one realm. But we need to understand that sometimes we can't heal an illness in a really simple sense because we've chosen a modality that doesn't match where the source of the illness really lies. So that's one thing to think about. Another thing to think about is that all wounds define their own healing. And that is something we must surrender to. Okay, what do I mean by that? Now, I'm going to present this in the physical world because this is where it makes sense to everybody. If you break your leg, you don't want to go to the emergency room and have someone start treating you for the flu. That's silly, right? That's absolutely ridiculous. We, the wounds in the physical world do a pretty decent job of defining the healing path they need. That is true emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, and that's the piece everybody seems to miss, is that a wound, no matter what aspect of our life it comes in on, defines its own path of healing. That's what we need to find, and it's a refusal to be willing to find that that keeps many things from healing. So as we go into break now, I'd like you to think about that, and we'll come back and continue talking about how to heal the hard stuff using shamanic means and basic, good old-fashioned common sense. Thank you all for being here today. Welcome back, everyone. And yes, the nice lady is correct. We are live today. You are welcome to call in or email any questions you might have as we go through our hour here today. So getting back to where we were as we took our break, let's just summarize here. These are kind of the simple things that make things hard to heal. So this is sort of the most basic level of what makes things hard to heal. And I'll go down the list here rather quickly. Uh, The first is denial and fear. But then, of course, denial and fear make everything hard to do. I mean, they pretty much screw up anything. So we hardly need to even count that on the list. So for the rest of our conversation today, let's just assume that the people involved in trying to heal are conscious. They're not blaming other people for what's going on. They're conscious that this is their issue and they need to deal with it. Okay? Let's assume they're committed to dealing with it. Let's assume they're capable of mounting a reasonable amount of discipline in making changes that need to happen to be able to heal. And let's just assume the person who wants to heal here is really trying. And we'll go forward from there. So we can take denial and fear off the table because those are just sort of basic and we don't want to talk about that today. Let's talk about what happens when you're actually engaged and still stumble, when you're actually engaged and still just hit the wall. Okay, that's what we're talking about today. All right. So one of the first simple reasons people get stuck and make what is not that hard to heal hard, that's our little list right now, is making what's really not that hard to heal hard, is using a wrong, in terms of its match, or ineffective modality to deal with what you want to deal with. In other words, you can't fix everything through past life regression. You can fix past life issues through past life regression, but you can't fix everything that way. can't fix everything through shamanism. can't fix everything through therapy. 
can't fix everything by just going to the gym. I mean, we get wounded in all aspects of our being. They all require different modalities. We cannot simply choose the ones we like and require that everything gets healed through them. It doesn't work that way. Right? The other thing is we need to be good consumers. Some modalities out there simply are ineffective, and you've got to be realistic about that with yourself. Yes, you need to commit. Yes, you only get out of things what you put into them. All of those principles are true, but there are things out there that work on a very superficial level, and many of you are bringing very challenging things to it, and it's just not, it's an ineffective modality for what you're trying to do. And you need to keep that in mind and trust your, in, your own intuition, and if you have helping spirits, trust them, because they'll be the first ones to, to answer your question by giving you a big raspberry, and then you know it isn't going to work. Okay. So the next thing that makes simple things hard to heal is that many, many people approach wanting to heal with an expectation that they can change everything else and not themselves. And I know I've said this before, but you would not believe how pervasive this is, that deep down people want huge amounts of change in their life, and yet they are personally unwilling to change. And that is something to consider if you're trying to heal, heal a hard thing, is have you been unwilling to make the changes necessary to do that healing. Another simple place where you make something that's not that hard to heal hard is that you really don't want it badly enough. And I know this sounds a little on the bitchy side, but the truth of the matter is we often don't really have a perspective that allows us to understand how extremely important it is that we pull our energy out of this illness or disharmony and are able to mobilize it towards our life and our livelihood. And a lot of times we are so unmotivated by what it is that we're doing with our life that it doesn't really seem all that different to be living our life or being sick. And if you can do what is necessary to come to understand you are a unique person on this earth, you bring a unique gift that humanity will never know, you don't even get to come back another time and try to do it. This is it. This lifetime is it for you to express that gift. You've been given the responsibility to creatively bring into the world. The universe can only know that facet of itself through you. As When we align ourselves with that understanding about ourselves and recognize our inherent worth because we are the one to bring that gift to the world, Suddenly, we don't have time to be sick. We don't have time to do these be depressed. We don't have time. We don't have energy to devote to these other ways of being. And so sometimes people just don't deal, make something harder than it is because they don't have enough reason to want something more. So I suggest that everyone do what is necessary to connect to that deep fundamental reason in every single human being that is burning in your belly which is your passion, your soul's passion. It's what you came into this life with, your passion to do what you have come here to do. And that will begin to put everything else into perspective. So moving on on our list of way you make things that aren't that hard, hard. The other thing is for many people, because we tend in our contemporary culture to live actually very isolated lives, there is a tendency to approach a transformational process, a healing of some kind, in other words, with a lack of support or resources necessary to let that process run its course. And that is one thing to sit back and think about in terms of healing is do you have the support and the resources you need to do that. 
I still I injured my eye badly actually on the third of July, one very hot summer in Manhattan when I was a poor dancer, and found myself in the emergency room with the doctor, who was finally after waiting for a eternity, helping me. And at the end, he said, okay, you know, you're pretty serious, and, and technically I'm supposed to check you into the hospital because you have a very serious possibility here of a detached retina if you don't do exactly what you're supposed to do. So I'm supposed to check you in the hospital so they can make sure you do what you're supposed to do. He says, but I know you're a poor dancer, and you really don't want to be checked in the hospital, so if I send you home, will you do what I am telling you to do? And I said, yes. And the first thing was you can't do anything for yourself. You have to stay at a 45-degree angle and not do anything for several days. He says, do you have anyone who can come and help you? And I just started crying, which was not really good for my damaged eye. But I just started crying because I didn't. I lived alone. I was a poor dancer in New York living alone. I didn't have anyone who could come and help me. And that in and of itself could have really changed the healing process that I needed to be in. Now, luckily, with his questioning, I did actually figure out someone who would graciously, who did graciously come and help me. And I am deeply grateful for that person's willingness to come and be with me in my time of need. But it's important to figure out for yourself, what are what is the support and what are the resources that I need to do what I need to do and align those things up and be creative about it. And then finally, the last thing is a little bit more energetic and not quite so obvious as that, but it's very true in terms of any kind of healing process. In a process, a human being's process of growth or transformation or healing or whatever you want to call it, is like a chemical reaction and that it needs to be allowed to run its course. And for a reaction to run its course in a pure way, it needs to be held in a vessel. And a vessel, an often, often a vessel used for these chemical reactions is called a crucible. And the value of a good crucible is it is made of a substance that does not react with the reaction happening within it. So what does this mean for you? It means for you as a po- person trying to heal, your healing may need to be contained. It may need to be held by other humans. But the tricky thing is, is you need to pick humans who aren't going to react with your process if you want to have the smoothest healing process. And so the willingness to contain or to find people who can contain your healing process is important as well. And this is really important as you move into the non-physical healing, the emotional, the mental, and the spiritual healing, that containment is even more important because it's happening in a purely energetic realm. So these are, this is my little list. It's probably not comprehensive, but it's good enough to get you all started about the things that people set up for themselves that make things that really aren't that hard to heal hard because they don't provide for these issues or take care of these issues. So that's our first list. But let's move on now. What about the things that simply are hard to heal? You know, there's a place in one of the Harry Potter books, I think it's maybe number six. It's pretty, well, I don't know, it's the one, anyway, Dumbledore, who is a source of great wisdom throughout the entire series, says, um, referring to Snape, I believe, says, well, yes, Harry, there are simply some things that cannot heal. It's the only stupid thing Dumbledore says in the entire, all the books. Because from a shamanic perspective, that's simply not the case. That we can always find a way to heal things. We simply need to find the source of the problem. And so what I would say to correct Dumbledore 
would be that given the resources at Snape's disposal, his wound, was he was not able to heal that wound. But bring a few shamans in, because you notice there aren't any shamans in the whole Harry Potter world. If you bring a few shamans in to deal with the soul loss Snape had experienced by being harassed year after year by Harry's dad, that Snape would have been able to heal. And so this, I think, for contemporary people, is one of the biggest issues about what makes our healing hard and what makes it take years longer than it needs to is our unwillingness of other healthcare professionals, other than shamans, to recognize the symptoms of soul loss and to simply tell people, we'll be able to make this whatever work a whole lot better if you'll go see this shaman and get your soul parts back because I'm seeing symptoms of you being in soul loss. The problem with, well, there's a lot of problems with soul loss, but the problem with soul loss in terms of healing, why soul loss makes it so hard to heal, is the part of you that is at the source of that healing is not present in space and time. It simply is not here with you. That's the point of soul loss. It's lost to this space and time in which you are living. Why is that important? Everybody all together now? Because you only have power to make change happen on yourself in the moment. You have enormous power to make change happen on yourself in the moment, perhaps infinite power to make change happen on yourself in the moment, given enough resources. But you cannot make change happen on a part of yourself that isn't in the moment. And this is the critical understanding about soul loss. And soul loss is real. And so, we're going to break. We'll talk a little bit more about soul loss as we come back in the next section and the other things that actually make healing hard for real. Thank you, everyone. And please remember, we're live today. You're welcome to call in or email. Welcome back, everyone. I'm sitting here thinking, how come nobody's calling or emailing? And it's probably because I'm realizing the show isn't a lot of fun. I'm sorry about that. So I'm going to try to perk things up here a little bit. Um, So I'll start out by saying that, you know, dealing with soul loss, as much of a challenge as soul loss is to live with, healing soul loss is really simple. You go to a good shaman, you get your soul parts back, and on you go. It's um, pretty painless. And yes, okay, you got to integrate your soul parts, but... There is enormous joy in receiving yourself home. It's enormous joy in getting your energy back, getting your gifts back. And there is um, a quality to, to receiving soul parts back that feels almost magical because things that were impossible to change before are, that are related to these soul parts that have come back are suddenly changed. Just It feels almost magical, particularly for those of you that are actually working really hard at your change. So keep in mind that, yeah, okay, so I'm making a list about why things are hard, but, but the solutions, once we understand why something is hard, finding the solution to change that heaviness is, um, feels like a miracle when we finally do it. So in my little write-up for today's show, um, I talked about things being too deep or too frightening or too pervasive and that those are the main sort of um, categories um, that are the things that make healing feel really hard. So right now we're talking about things that are too deep. And soul loss is pretty hard to get deeper than soul loss because it's very hard to get deeper than what affects our soul or what moves our soul or what exists on the soul level of a being. And so soul loss is... um, 
And soul retrieval is one of the things that makes the healing hard because it makes the modalities you're engaging in that should be healing your symptoms ineffective because the source of the problem is actually the soul part itself, is actually in spirit. So the symptoms of soul loss um, are, well, that's actually the main symptom of soul loss is that the modalities that you're engaged in that should be helping you are not helping in a way that is commensurate with the energy you're putting into it. Um, or you're simply not responding to the drugs as they expect you to respond to the drugs. Uh, you're not responding to the acupuncture. Whatever it is that you're doing, you're not responding consistently. You may respond and then go back, so you're not holding on to the effect, or you're not responding at all, or you're needing really high doses of something. These are all signs that the problem is most likely in soul loss. You just get your soul parts back and then carry on with your healing. It's really not a big challenge. Um, and for some people, soul retrieval is something they can do long distance. I can. You want to do a soul retrieval with me? That's fine. You just email assistance at lastmasscenter.org, and we set it up. It's not a hard thing to do. You know, shamans are really all over the place these days in America. I mean, not all of them are great, but not that hard to find a good one. And so there's kind of no excuse to not get your soul parts back. Okay. So the other reason something feels hard in terms of healing is because whatever it is that's going on that needs to heal is really the result of your soul asking you to get a grip. Your soul is asking you to shift paths. Your soul is asking you to wake up from something that you're doing and change course in some way. And the ego is simply hell-bent in not letting you do that. And that is one of the main reasons a healing that really shouldn't be that hard feels so hard. It's the ego's death grip. Because remember, ego's not a bad thing, but the ego's job is to maintain status quo. So it, it, it receives anything that's going to be involved change as a threat. And intentional change is, should not be threatening but it is to the ego. And you just have to remember that and pat the little ego on its head and go ahead and do it anyway. But that is one of the things that makes something feel hard is the soul wants to move powerfully in one direction and the ego is just in a death grip to keep that from happening. And so the main way to deal with that is to become more self-aware. You need to be aware of the voice of your ego as a voice that is different from the voice of your soul. And you all got to learn to listen to both. I mean, if you're still under 20, fine. You're young. You'll figure it out. But if you're over 20, you need to start paying attention. You need to start understanding there are different internal voices. And some you need to know which voice is coming from whom within you and to really understand the voice of your soul. And if you're over 40 and you've never heard the voice of your soul, you need to see a shaman. You just shouldn't get to be 40 and never hear the voice of your soul. Be so good at shutting that information down that you're not hearing it. So it's there. Soul doesn't die. It does get hurt. and it can. But the point is, the beauty of shamanism, is it has all these wonderful modalities that are very creative and um, imaginative that allow a, a, um, a simple healing path to be able to deal with wounds at the deepest core level of who we are. So get yourself to a shaman if you don't know the voice of your soul. Let's see. What else makes things hard in the too deep category? Um, sometimes the source of the problem is um, in the unresolved issues of the ancestors. And if you want to hear more about that, download the show with Martin Brennan back in uh, February, I think. January or February. Um, 
but a symptom of an issue of the ancestors is is a a pattern of either emotional or psychological behavior or even a pattern of life that happens again and again and it happens with a certain weight or severity or confidence that simply could be created in one lifetime. It's like the pattern's just better than anybody could make in one life. It's just more ingrained than anybody can do in one life. And that usually means it's taken more than one life to do it. Okay? So that's usually the most basic sign that this is an ancestral issue. The other sign is the obvious, which is you hear about that pattern as you are talking to your family members. That's a pretty good sign. It's an ancestral issue. Another um, thing on our list of too deep is that um, the source of the problem that you're experiencing is actually in the spirit world and your environment. So it's in the land there or a mountain that you live near, a lake, or water. it's somewhere in your environment and it's affecting you because of where you are physically. And that is a possibility. Um, so I'm not exactly sure how to describe the signs of that, but it is something to consider. If you have helping spirits to ask, it's a great question to ask, you know, in what way is the source of this problem coming out of the environment? Um, for me, I had moved here to Portland. An example of this was I had moved to Portland, I didn't, and I had a whole lot of reasonable reasons to move to Portland from where I was living, and so I wasn't really thinking about why I moved to Portland. But in a course of um, some shamanic healing I was receiving, the shaman said, well, you know, you moved to Portland because you have a very powerful water source there that is calling you because it's the exact energy that you need to replenish and restore you in your shamanic work. And so, in other words, your power spot is calling to you. And I was, you know, being a dope, I didn't get that. And so then I had to go through all these strange mechanisms to find this particular place and did ultimately find it. But I didn't know that the sort of depletion that I was feeling in my life here in this new place I had moved was coming out of the fact that I wasn't hearing this message from a place in the environment. Okay, so moving along to the too frightening category. So one of the other things that makes things uh, hard to heal is um, that you are confronting a shadow aspect of yourself to allow that healing to run its course. And for my money, I realize psychology can work on shadow issues, but there's an enormous amount of fear involved in that. Personally, for my money, I go for shamanism for shadow stuff because in shamanism, there's a way, because we can access the crazy logic teachers that are available in the spirit world, we can find this sort of crazy logic path through the shadow realm. See, the problem with shadow work, the reason it feels hard is that it doesn't follow psychological logic. It lives very much in the psychological realm of who we are, but it doesn't follow that logic. So it makes it very hard to use normal psychological modalities and actually work effectively with the shadow. Once it's in the shadow realm, while it very well may be mostly psychological or psycho-emotional, it's following a crazy logic pattern which defies the great um, gifts and powers of the mind. So I suggest working with a crazy logic teacher shamanically to work with the shadow stuff. It makes it so much easier and your ability to get to your passions and humor and all the great energies that are stored in the shadow is much quicker following the crazy logic path. It's kind of like looking at the mountain and seeing the switchbacks all the way up the mountain and then seeing a shortcut. 
That's really what crazy logic offers us. And part of the reason shamanism then can help us to confront this frightening issue of needing to deal with your shadow, take it out of that scary world. It's, you know, work. you still got to get up the mountain. But it's a more interesting path. Shorter, usually, as well. Not necessarily easier, but shorter. And, you know, none of us are getting any younger, so why not? Another uh, reason things feel hard in the too frightening category is that the transformation of healing that your your life path is asking for requires that you engage your fault self. And your fault self is something that I personally have only experienced ways of dealing with through shamanism. I don't really see this idea very well developed elsewhere in the healing options that are available to you. Because the fault self is more than the ego, it's more than the identity. It's the entire life story that is created to put you to sleep so that you don't change it, to keep you safe in the world. Now, granted, it's developed to keep you safe in the world, but it does keep you from really tapping into that scary logic place of um, you and your soul's birth. Um, so the last thing on the two frightening list is that your healing required requires you let your story go. We'll talk about this a little bit when we get back, but basically the point is people are attached to their stories as if it defines their uniqueness. And your story is just like everybody else's. Your uniqueness is what happens after you heal and let that story go. So when we come back, we'll talk about those things that are too pervasive and thus feel hard and how we can use shamanism to heal the hard stuff. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, none of you emailed me to tell me I left out the good stuff in the last section. Um, you all need to pay attention here or you'll not hold me to my, my uh, task here. So in the section I was just talking about, I left out a whole chunk of how you actually heal the hard stuff. Um, so I'm going to go over that really quickly and then we're going to move on to Daniel's question because it's a lovely question and it will help to lighten things here for us today as we talk about the hard stuff. So I left things unspoken. And when I was talking about things that, are too, that feel too deep to heal or are too deep to heal through normal modalities that people would access in contemporary America. So I left it unspoken that, of course, through shamanism, you can get your soul retrievals to deal with your soul loss. It is the simplest and most direct way. Yes, soul loss sometimes happens spontaneously. Yes, there are some very long and involved and energy expensive and money expensive ways to eventually get your soul part back through other modalities, but why? Why use an ineffective expensive modality when you can use a simple cost-effective modality? So for your soul loss, for my money, find yourself a shaman and get your soul retrieval. And energy loss, any of these kinds of things, go for shamanism. Um, Because... Like I said, you're not getting any younger. We don't have resources to be thrown away these days. So let's focus on what's effective, what's direct, what is the right modality for the job. It's just like building the house and finding the right tool for the job. It's not an insult to anybody. It's just recognizing what modality works for this and using it. So also for healing the unresolved energies of the ancestors, if you need to go for a direct pattern, it's probably best to go to a shamanic healer who does ancestral healing. Not all of them do. I do. I do it long distance lastmasscenter.org. That's how you get a hold of me. However, you can also get into certain kinds of therapy, like family constellation work, and there's a couple offshoots of that. Um, You can Google these things, but it is a way to deal with ancestral issues in general and beautiful ways to do that if you don't want to enter into the shamanic realm. Um, May not allow you to get directly at a pattern you want to get at. Um, because things happen uh, more um, sort of like contact improv in that stuff, which is beautiful, not a criticism. But if you need to go for something specific, you should probably find a shaman. 
healing the energy, the, the spirit energy problems out of the environment, you need yourself a shaman, someone who practices geomancy and may not identify as a shaman but is aware of doing what is essentially shamanism of the land, of space. And some, some feng shui practitioners, not all. There's a whole lot of feng shui practitioners that are basically doing enlightened interior design. You need to do someone who has traditional training in the oral tradition of feng shui and can really move deeply into understanding what is going on in the spirits in your environment. So you have some possibilities there, but for my money, just find yourself a good shaman. Okay, so moving right along to Daniel's question and then the close of our show here today. Daniel's question is, Christina, oh, Daniel's in Washington. Can unexpected or unusual health or life energy balance also be a message from spirit? Um, Or is it only the difficult situations? Well, isn't that a sweet thing? Of course. Um, Messages from spirit can certainly come to us in healthful, inspired, beautiful ways as well. We tend to ignore those as messages. That's all. The spirit world tends to use the brick to the head because we tend to pay attention and we tend to remember lessons that involve pain. And that's just how humans are. So if you don't like that, you can start to adjust the way you approach your life. And in this message from Daniel, he actually answered his question in a fuller way, which is, or are, are these wonderful experiences simply a natural life experience we could come to expect? And that is actually the better answer to the question, which is yes, to live in a state of energy and resource, um, occasional bliss, a bunch of joy, um, in a state of oneness with all things, and in the flow. For me, it's often just a sense of being in the flow, and no matter what it is, it's all showing up right as it needs to show up, and I know I'm just in the flow, and it is an ecstatic experience, and yet functional and workable. Yeah, that's our nature. That's, that is how we are all intended to be here. The question is, are we willing to be in love? Because to be in that state, which is the natural state of our world, and our world is essentially love manifest, we have to be willing to be in love. And most people are just too afraid. It's all there. It's right there for us in every moment. We simply need to be willing to get out of the way. And, of course, healing the hard stuff is one of the ways to get out of the way. But, yes, that that state of being is our natural state of being. And we can come to expect that. And this is one of the things I learned as I began to work with clients about myself and about other people is that we generally ask for so very little from life. And there is so much more there for us. We are frankly not possible as contemporary human beings. It's not possible for us us to ask for too much because we are so diminished in our understanding of what our true nature is, what the true nature of our universe is, and what our life could feel like if we were engaged in living from a sense of oneness with all things, living from the heart, not in a sense of sticky, codependent, romantic love, but from a sense of true, ecstatic oneness with all things. We have a very different life experience, but we have to be willing to not be greedy, selfish, and a whole lot of other things that we're very well trained to be in this culture. So, Daniel, thank you for the question. It's beautiful. And, yes, that is supposed to be our natural life experience. So one of the other issues 
um, about why things feel too hard to heal is because they are simply become too pervasive. Too many years doing the same pattern, too many choices down the road. We've, we've moved too far away from what we know that is right and true within ourselves. It's just pervasive and we have a whole life built around it and how can we possibly undo that mess? Too pervasive. That's what that means in my world. So for all of these things, even the things that are too deep, even the things that are too frightening, and particularly for the things that feel simply too pervasive, and the thought of unraveling it just makes you want to cry and go to sleep. It's just too much. This is the job for ritual. Shamanic ritual is divined for the problem. It's not generic. You can't read it in a book at the library. Those are ceremonies. Ritual is divined for the moment, and it is divined and created to create change. And if you're bringing to a shaman a personal issue that has become the hard stuff that you can't heal or you have been unable to heal, then the ritual is divined and designed distinctly to transform that energy. And in performing that ritual, that which is too pervasive, too deep, too scary to heal, you, you, you are calling in spirit to help you with that. You're saying, I'm just a human, I give up, I surrender. I can't do this by myself, and I am asking spirit to come in and intervene in my life to help me to do what I am unable to do myself. And that is the beauty of shamanic ritual. They can be earth rituals, water rituals, air rituals, fire rituals, nature rituals. There's many kinds of rituals they can be using some elemental energy to help transformation happen. But this, from our perspective as contemporary Americans, I know for me when I started to do shamanic rituals, because my spirits told me to, that it's like magic. Things that I thought I was going to spend years in therapy dealing with were transformed within months because of the power of ritual to help me make change happen. Yeah, I still got to do the work. You still got to do the work. But the work can be done when spirit comes in and lifts the burden for a while so that you can transform it. So that's my final message for everybody today about how to heal the hard stuff is when it comes right down to it, one of your best bets is shamanic ritual. And the only way to get to that is through helping spirits and for those of you that don't have your own, the way to get to that is through a shaman. So if you want me, I'm available, lastmasscenter.org. You can email me, Christina at Last Mass Center, or my assistant, assistance at lastmasscenter.org. Um, next week, we have Alan Davis, who's going to be talking about shamanism and medicine and the Society of Shamanic Practitioners Conference this year in June. I hope you'll join us all next week, and thank you for being with us this week. I thank the ancestors for bringing us all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral minds, the earth below us, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. May you all have an excellent week, and I hope to hear you all here 